Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Good evening, indeed. And thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Monsters Among Us. I have an excellent show lined up for you guys, one filled with an array of different paranormal subjects. Now, before we launch into our first call of the evening, I just want to touch on something very quickly. As many of you know, last week I released a bit of a different episode... We did a roundtable sandwiched by a couple calls. And apparently, that was the end of the world for many of you. I received so many complaints. Now here's the bottom line, folks. We do the roundtable for a number of reasons. For starters, it's nice to break up the monotony. I've been doing this show for three years, and week in and week out, it's relatively the same. It's me, talking to myself, listening to calls. I don't get the interaction. I don't get the have a discussion with people. The roundtables allow that to happen. The roundtables also allow new ideas to germinate and come to fruition. And lastly, and most importantly, by doing these roundtables, we are sharing our audience and our stories with three other podcasts' listenerships. That's a lot of people that we're being exposed to. And thank you to all those that wrote in telling me how much they enjoyed the roundtable. There were certainly plenty of those as well. But as we all know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So I'll try to wrap all this up, but the point I'm trying to make here is that these roundtables aren't going to be regular episodes. They will, for the most part, be bonus episodes. It just so happened that last week I needed a little break, and instead of having no show, I thought I would put something quick together, a couple little calls, and the roundtable. Again, that is not going to be the normal format. So if you're not a fan of the roundtable formatting, all you have to do is ignore the episode. No complaining necessary. Okay, I'm completely done wasting time on that. You guys all came here for a reason, so let's get started. Our first call of the evening comes to us from the state of Oregon. The following is Julie's call. Hi, my name is Julie. I have two stories. One comes from about 1963 in Portland, Oregon. 
It was in the summertime. It was about 11.30 at night. My cousin and I and our boyfriends were watching, believe it or not, science fiction theater when her sister came to the top of the stairs and said, we see a, a UFO outside, flying saucer. And, of course, we didn't believe her until her mom came to the stairs and said, yeah, we see it. Come up here. So we went up the stairs and we saw in the distance um, lights that were rotating around, green and white, green and white. The white was kind of like you would see an artificial light. It it rotated around over the Hollywood district, went east toward the airport at that point. I called the airport and I said, do you guys see anything out there? We see something really strange. It looks like a flying saucer. They said, it's a plane flying with a banner behind it. And you don't fly a banner behind a plane at 1130 at night. Nobody can see it. So that was ridiculous. Nobody ever said anything. Um, it wasn't in the paper. Eventually, this flying saucer went over my uh, cousin's sister's mother-in-law's house. She called her mother-in-law and she said, it's a big round thing and it's going across right over my house and it sounds like whoosh. No engine sound at all. Thank you very much and I hope you can use it. Thank you, Julie. It's very interesting to hear a call from that time period. If you think about it, that's near the beginning of the UFO craze. And to hear a story that's lasted the test of time, as this one has, is always special. Now, I commend Julie for calling the airport. That's the right thing to do there. To get to the bottom of what you're seeing, there's no better way than with radar. When I lived in L.A., we spent a lot of time at the beach. Redondo Beach, Manhattan, and even Venice and Santa Monica if we had to. And during the summers there, they would have tons of Cessnas and other small planes pulling banners, advertising anything from pizza to car insurance. But the one thing that all of these planes had in common was the fact that the engines roared like a tractor pull. I don't know if it's an extra strain to pull the banner or what it was, but you could really hear them over the waves, over the crowd at the beach, over the traffic behind us. You could still hear the planes. So if that's in fact what Julie experienced, I feel like someone would have reported hearing a loud engine sound. And not only did that not happen, but Julie described the exact opposite. Thank you again, Julie, for taking the time to share that call. Our next call takes us to the Show Me State. And hopefully, Jacob will show me some ghosts. The following is Jacob's call from the state of Missouri. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, my name's Jacob. I'm from Joplin, Missouri. I've been listening to your podcast for the past couple of weeks, and one of my buddies actually uh, turned me on to your guys' podcast. Uh, shout out to my buddy Paul. I just figured I'd uh, call and share with you guys my experience. Just to start off, I'm not crazy. I work day to day. I'm just a normal person. But ever since I was a little kid, I have been haunted by a girl. And I'll explain this to you. I'll explain it to anybody that's really close to me that knows about this. Is uh, whenever I was probably about six, I started seeing her in like the corner of my room. I never could put a key to her face until the movie, I don't know if you guys remember this whole movie, the movie The Grudge came out. This movie scared the hell out of me. I, to this day, still cannot even watch that movie 
my fiance knows about it just because she's seen some same things around the house and she knows that I am 100% terrified of it. So it started off as I watched that movie and uh, let's just say I like cried for nights and nights. I got to the point where I uh, wouldn't sleep in my own room because I kept on seeing her. Uh, so I moved out into our living room and I slept on our couch actually until I was about 14 years old. Whenever I was 14 years old, I kept seeing her, cats and stuff. Whenever I finally moved into a new house, uh, we had two little cats. They wouldn't enter into my room. They would sit there and hiss. I actually told my parents like that I kept on seeing like this light that would come on and I'd go say something like hey the attic lights on it's not supposed to be it's like one o'clock at night they would be, they would go to look at it and the light would be off and i would see her later that night and i know about sleep parallels whatever it's called there'd be nights where i would wake up and i would see her right over top of me and i would not be able to move but whenever i actually could get to the point where i would move i would jump up turn on the light and at 16 years old i would scream and uh, I have to have my grandparents, so I started living with them, and it happened, and whenever they found out, they are very Christian people, and they would, they would uh, like, say a prayer and try to help me through it. And like I said, even to this day, I have three kids, and I've heard out of my own kid's mouth, they would be like, uh, like, who's the lady? There's a lady, and we've seen this little, this little girl and I would just be like, do not, don't talk to her, just stay away from her, because she's terrified me my whole life. I just figured that this would be a cool little story to share with you guys. Um, thanks for your time. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you, Paul, for sharing the show. Now, of course, Jacob is referring to sleep paralysis, a sleep disorder that's commonly mistaken for paranormal activity. But... It sounds like Jacob had some experiences while he was wide awake. So perhaps sleep paralysis could explain some of the experiences, but it certainly doesn't explain them all. Now one thing Jacob's story does remind me of is the story of Dear David. And some of you may be familiar with this story. A few years back, an artist by the name of Adam Ellis began seeing a deformed child in his sleep paralysis dreams. At a certain point, the entity that he now refers to as Dear David began visiting him while he was awake as well. The entirety of his experiences are documented on his Twitter account, so I will link to that in the show notes for tonight's episode. Thank you again, Jacob, for taking the time to share your story. Our next story of the evening comes to us from my state of California. The following was submitted by Ema. Hi, Derek. My name is Ema. I'm a teacher and I'm a mom. I live in Northern California. My brother introduced me to your podcast after I started seeing things that cannot be explained. I have listened to some episodes and enjoy the stories. Some things happened to me after my wedding this summer that I think fit in well with the theme of your podcast. After my wedding, I found myself experiencing excruciating back pain. It might have been from all the stress or from my history of scoliosis. 
whatever it was, it culminated in what I would describe as an out-of-body experience. It was a very emotional experience in which I seemed to be floating into the minds of friends and family and was then sucked back into my body. The masseur said she felt my body go limp and my breathing change. There's more to this story, but I'll get to the honeymoon. My husband and I stayed the night at a spa in Calistoga, California. I'm an early riser and was up very early the next morning. I showered, got dressed, and headed to the door. With the intention of going to sit on a nice bench I had seen, it was a sunny summer morning at about 5.30 a.m., and when I opened the door, I remember enjoying the warm sunshine. I closed the door and turned toward the outdoors to savor the moment. To my left, there was a street leaning to downtown Calistoga, and I noticed a lady who was walking a large dog about two blocks down. I thought they seemed happy, and I turned in the other direction and walked into the parking lot. On the other side of the parking lot was an open grassy park with a bench. After a few steps towards the park, I felt a presence behind me. I looked back and saw the lady with the dog walking in my direction, and I thought, wow, that was weird. I noticed again how the pair seemed joyous. After a few more steps, I noticed they were now entering the spa parking lot. They were covering a lot of ground quickly, yet when I looked at them, they seemed to be strolling at a casual pace. As I continued, it began to feel like they were following me. I wasn't scared, just curious, and I reached the bench at the edge of the parking lot and I sat down. There was a utility shed next to the bench. The woman and the dog came directly up to me. They were happy and fun, and I felt at ease talking with them. The dog was beautiful. I asked him if I could pet him, and she said, Oh, he's going to love you. She then let him approach me. He was majestic. He seemed to be everything I would want in a dog. He was the best of all breeds, big but not too big, long, golden hair that was luxurious to the touch a sweet and playful disposition and eyes full of love he sat down in front of me and let me pet him his fur felt heavenly it was the best i have ever felt petting a dog the woman introduced herself as pinky and the dog as godly she seemed odd she was full of wonder and asked childlike questions like a four-year-old she asked me what's your name where do you live have you had a mud bath? How is the mud? What did it feel like? What do you do? Oh, wow. Ooh. <laughs> Though her questions were a bit invasive, I thought she was delightful. Her clothes were odd, too. They were from no period or country I could recognize. I have traveled the world and seen many types of fashion, and though she seemed mostly human, her features were a bit non-human in that she had a snout-like nose and there was something about the way she moved. Godly didn't seem to be all dog either. His back and hindquarters were shaped like that of a cat's body. After about 10 to 15 minutes, Godly started jumping and barking, and Pinky was scolding him like a toddler scolds a doll. She said, shh, shh, they're going to hear you. He kept barking, so they moved to the side of the utility shed where they were hidden by the building, and it was suddenly quiet. After maybe 30 seconds of silence, I got up to say goodbye And when I walked around the shed, they were gone. It was like they had vanished. There was nowhere they could have gone. It was a very open area between the expansive grassy park and the parking lot. The experience of meeting Pinky and Godly 
left me feeling incredible. I felt joyful and full of wonder that morning. It felt life-changing. Then on the drive home, I saw something very strange. We stopped at a roadside attraction called Confusion Hill. The bathroom was closed, so I took a walk into the trees to do my business. And as I was in the woods, a blue luminescent orb appeared and basically hung out with me. When it first approached, it was small, like a speck, which then floated to be in my direct view. It then began expanding and growing in size until it was the shape of a large egg. It remained floating, and then it started to open up, reveal itself. What I mean is that it was like a shield being pulled back, and behind it I saw beautiful blue scales like an iridescent butterfly blue. I kept still and stared at it. It seemed to me like the orb felt shy and timid, and I heard it say hello to me. In my mind, it wasn't a verbal. It was in my head I heard hello. I was actually in a hurry to leave by this point, and I told the thing that I had to leave but that I was happy to have met it. And since then, I saw two golden orbs in my garden. I started to develop mixed feelings about these things intruding into my family's lives. I have children, and if they can show up at any time, what are they capable of? Still, after a while, my curiosity returned and I wanted to know more about them. Each day, I have new revelations about the experiences as I become more alert and aware of my surroundings. New pieces become unveiled or pop into my brain, and I think, oh yeah, that's a part of the story too. There is one last experience that occurred this fall, and as I said earlier, I am an early riser. This particular morning, I had woke up too early, 2 a.m., and moved to the sofa. I was warm and comfy and fell into a cozy sleep. I then felt a strong sense of being watched, so strong that it woke me. I opened my eyes and saw that there was a unicorn in my living room. I noticed a movement in front of my bedroom door and sat up. I looked again and saw a horse at first, moving its head and flicking its mane, and then I saw the long horn protruding from the top of its head. I knew then that it was a unicorn. It was muscular and beautiful with a glistening chocolate brown color. It was as tall as I am, 5'10", not counting the horn. It was looking at me with a friendly but intense look as if to say, hey, get up so we can play. We just sat there, sort of smiling at each other. I wanted to interact with it more. Sadly, when I stood up, the unicorn went away. The unicorn turned as I got up and walked away from me into the darkness that was my bedroom door. I know this all sounds bizarre, but that this seems like a good place to share the bizarre. Thank you for sharing my stories. Have a beautiful day, Derek. Thank you, Ima. She certainly sounds like quite the character. Now, this story is reminiscent of a lot of the men in black encounters that I've read about over the years. In those experiences, people talked about men in black not knowing what everyday objects were. One looked at a pen like he'd never seen one before. Still others explained that when they were offered a glass of water, they refused, but said, I'll have one in ten minutes. And then there's another case where one of the men in black had wires running from his shoe up his pant leg. Just odd things, not unlike the way that Pinky was described. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that Pinky was in fact a man in black, or in this case, a woman in black, but I couldn't help but notice the similarities. 
Now, of course, I can't speak on the unicorn. There may be some sort of hallucination issues there. Then again, there may be an interdimensional unicorn there, or something like that. Thank you again, Ema, for taking the time to share your story. For the next installment of the evening, we're going to have to head south. And truth be told, I'm not sure I understand completely what the name is on this next call. So I'm simply going to say, the following comes to us from the state of California. Hi, uh, this is Guy Talano. I'm calling from Orange County, California. This is a ghost story. It's creepy and kind of twisted humor, perhaps. It took place maybe about eight years ago in October, November. I had just started meeting my wife. She was home alone. She had asked me to spend the night, but she is from a, she's a very religious background, religious parents. So she called her parents and asked her parents if it would be okay if, if her boyfriend, me, would be able to spend the night. They said, that's fine, as long as you know, we don't sleep in the same bed, and it's okay. So, of course, of course, uh, you know, we go to bed, and we're uh, all places. We decide to sleep in their parents' room and, and um, kind of disobey their orders or their requests. So, we're asleep, and I open my eyes a little bit, and I notice figures, and um, I'm trying to adjust my eyes We'd already been asleep for maybe a couple hours. I adjust my eyes, and what I see, I'm lying in bed, is an older woman and a young girl. The girl has long, blonde, wavy hair, and the older woman was wearing a long muumuu with these floral patterns. Uh, and I'm looking at them, and I notice that uh, what they're doing is they're looking, they're both looking in the mirror and they're making silly faces. They're making silly faces and now I'm fully awake wondering what the heck am I looking at? And I noticed that the light from the uh, modem, the internet modem, the green light with the flashing is reflecting off their skin and I noticed that their skin is a grayish color. So I'm fully awake, I'm looking at these two people in the room with us, looking in the closet mirror, and they're making faces at each other, and I'm noticing their skin is gray, and I reach over to my girlfriend, my wife, and I start to kind of squeeze her arm, try to poke her to wake her up, say, to confirm what I'm, I'm seeing, and it was then that I locked eyes with the older woman. And she did not look happy. She did not look happy at all. Her smile went away, and now she's giving me this zero-expression face. And now I'm officially freaked out. So I turn, and I wake up my my wife. And I said, Marisa, look. And they're gone. She's like, what? I can't. They're not, they're not there anymore. So go back to sleep. I'm freaking out. We wake up in the morning. She goes, what was that all about? I tell her saw an older woman and a younger woman looking at themselves in the mirror, making silly faces. They were just goofing off until I locked eyes with this older woman and she looked pissed off. So I just, I described what this, the older woman looked like. And well, basically I had just 
what I had described to my wife was her grandmother. And the floral muumuu was actually the dress that they had buried her grandmother in. Now, my wife walks over to a picture in the hallway and says, Did you, was this the woman you saw? I said, no, uh, that was not the woman I saw. This woman, the woman in the picture was larger, a larger woman. And the woman I saw that night, the figure, was thin. I explained that to my wife. And then she officially starts to break down and cry. Why are you crying? Well, her grandmother died of cancer. And before she passed away, she had lost all her weight. So that just kind of confirmed maybe that I had actually just seen her grandmother. The reason I, my theory is the reason why this woman was so angry at me or so not happy when she looked at me was probably because I had just disobeyed uh, my wife's parents' request of not sleeping head. So the one thing, though, that my wife could not explain was who the little girl was with the long blonde hair. So that kind of left us both baffled and we, we um, couldn't figure it out until this past November, giving dinner, we're sitting down with her parents. And to this day, her parents don't know this experience, but sitting down with her parents and my wife's family uh, and uh, my mother-in-law finds out that um, at, at the table, it said, you know, grandmother, her mom, had actually had a miscarriage and that uh, it was not just a miscarriage. It was, uh, her mother had given birth. It was stillborn. It was a baby girl. And this, this really threw me overboard because then it clicked. We're talking eight years later. I've, that mystery of who the little girl was was just solved. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted so badly to tell my mother-in-law what had happened. She tearing up because she had just discovered that her mother had had a stillborn and um, she had had an older sister that she never knew about until recently. And I just couldn't bring myself to tell a ghost story at the Jewish table. But I guess uh, to sum it up, I met my my wife's grandmother uh, and I made her angry by disobeying her daughter's rules uh, but uh, you know I got to see a side of her grandmother that everyone talked about she was a silly uh, loving woman so that's my story sorry it was so long not the best storyteller love the podcast uh, keep it up I can't wait to hear season 7 thank you bye thank you caller it's always nice when you get that kind of validation. When you see something, then describe it, only to find other people know exactly what it is you're talking about. And that seems to be the case, not only with the description of the grandmother, but the clothing she was wearing, and even the small child she was with. That kind of validation can be extremely hard to come by. Now, I do find it a bit strange that she would be wearing the outfit she was buried in. Now, I know that's a bit of a cliche when it comes to uh, ghost stories, especially historical ghost stories, but that's not something you hear about all that often these days. Then again, I'm sure that most people that encounter full-bodied apparitions don't know exactly what clothes they were buried in when they died. Either way, I find this story extremely fascinating, and I love the way that it all ties together. So thank you again for taking the time to share your call. And on that note, before we move on a little further, let me cover a few of these announcements. 
At long last, I am finally getting the newest shirt design printed. I've been a little short on funds lately, and it cost a good bit of money to get these things printed and shipped to me, so I've been kind of holding off on it. But I'm now at the point where let's pull the trigger on that. And while we're pulling triggers, a lot of people had expressed interest in a sweatshirt on the Facebook group. I believe there was close to 65 of you that mentioned that you wanted one. Now, the problem with sweatshirts are that even the blanks cost me around $20 a piece. So it could be quite expensive to put a small inventory together. So what I'm going to do is a pre-order. I need to lock down a design for the sweatshirt, but once I do, I will be reaching out to everyone uh, doing some sort of pre-order situation. That will alleviate a lot of the costs for me and also make it a risk-free venture. But at the end of the day, I'm excited and happy that you guys are wanting to wear the sweatshirts. Don't forget, on June 21st at 10.20 a.m., I will be part of a panel at this year's Alien Con in Los Angeles. Other shows involved include Blurry Photos, Mad Scientist Podcast, Hysteria 51, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, and Somewhere in the Skies. Now, as if that wasn't enough, that evening we are also doing a gigantic podcast meetup. So if you want to come over and talk shop, I'll be at Scum and Villainy starting at around 7 p.m. I'll have more information on that as the date grows nearer. Believe it or not, we are approaching the season finale. So if you have a hometown legend that you would like to submit, now's the time to start thinking about that. Simply call in the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can shoot me an email at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Now, just a reminder, I'm looking for things like crybaby bridges or, or local buried treasure or an infamous UFO sighting from the 1800s. Anything interesting in your area that doesn't necessarily pertain to uh, a first-hand experience. Now, we have several weeks to still compile these calls, but please don't hesitate. It takes me quite a while to put that episode together. I'd like to wish the very talented and very awesome Warren Pond Abbott a happy birthday. Yesterday was Warren's birthday, so happy birthday to you, Warren. And actually, while we're on the subject of Warren, I need to talk about him just slightly here. Some of the other complaints I've received lately were that uh, I'm being scammed by callers. Well, I simply don't think that's the case. I work very diligently to vet all of the calls that come in. And I'm sure one slips through from time to time. But the frequency that people are reporting false calls from the same person over and over guys, that's Warren. He reads the calls because A, he has a better reading voice. B, it gives me much more time to focus on the show. And C, I just love his voice and the way he does it. So he and I have talked a bit, and from now on, we're going to actually acknowledge each and every time that he reads a call. That way you know that I'm not being scammed, and in turn, neither are you. So again, happy birthday, Warren. And thank you for everything you do for the podcast. And while I'm doing some shout-outs, I'd like to say hello and thank you to the Beats family for tuning in. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. And lastly, if an hour of Monsters Among Us a week is not enough for you, well, might I suggest Extraterrestrial. The existence of extraterrestrial life has captured our collective imagination for generations. 
Every week, the Parcast Network's podcast, Extraterrestrial, examines these stories with a critical eye, analyzing possible scientific explanations and determining what really may have happened. Extraterrestrial takes a deep dive into both encounters and potential government cover-ups, looking to answer whether or not we really are alone in the universe. Right now, you can hear the story about the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill, or learn about rancher Mac Brazel, who discovered the remains of an alien spaceship near Roswell, New Mexico. New episodes come out every single Tuesday. So search and subscribe to Extraterrestrial wherever you listen to podcasts, or visit parcast.com slash extraterrestrial to start listening today. And on that note, let's get back into the programming. Our next call of the evening takes us to the state of Massachusetts. The following is Dan's call. Hey Derek, this is Dan. I live in the Boston area and I am a relatively new listener. Yeah, so here's my story. This happened in about 2006. I had just graduated from college and a bunch of my friends had also graduated from college. So being poor college kids, we ended up living back in our parents' house for a couple of years in the same hometown. So one night it was our friend's birthday and that friend lived in the city in Boston. So we drove out. Uh, one of our friends was the designated driver um, and we picked up our friend, went out, went drinking, went bar hopping, had a nice time. And I'm going to preface this by saying that we didn't get super hammered, even though we were all 22, 23 years old at the time. Um, we maybe visited three or four bars and maybe had like one drink per hour, or at least I did. Um, so about one o'clock rolls around, we decide to uh, head on home. We drop off our friend back in the city and then we take the highway out of the city. And uh, this is gonna get a little region specific. Um, we took Route 2 out of Somerville, which is sort of one of the neighboring metropolitan area cities near Boston, Route 2 West. And then we were going to take 95 South back to our hometown. So we passed by on Route 2, this old abandoned disco. It's no longer there. Uh, it was this old abandoned disco called Faces. And at the time, it was already abandoned. It was already fenced off, closed off. I think part of it had collapsed. And uh, I'm a big urban exploration photography nerd. So I kind of made a comment saying like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd really like to find a way to get into that building and uh, investigate it, take some pictures. And my friends kind of laughed it off and were like, yeah, you know, you don't want to break in there. You could you know, stir up some roller disco ghosts or something. And we all had a laugh and uh, we kept driving. And about 30 seconds later, <laughs> we get hit with the thickest fog I've ever seen, ever driven through, ever walked through, whatever, like the thickest fog. And um, anybody from the Boston area who's driven on Route 2, you know how fast you go on Route 2. You know, it's, it's a six lane highway. It's, you know, average speed, like probably 75, 80 miles an hour, usual freeway speed. This fog had us crawling in the car 
about 20 miles an hour with our brights on, with our emergency blinkers on. Like we were just a little confused and a little nervous. And at this point we were like, oh, <laughs> roller disco ghosts. All right, you know, maybe they heard about us and they're trying to trying to spook us into, uh, into not investigating. And this fog persisted so much that we missed our exit onto 95 twice. Uh, we had to turn around, get off on the next exit, turn around, and then come back, and then we missed it again, and then we had to get off on the next exit there, and then turn around and then come back. And the funny thing is, uh, whenever we would leave Route 2, the fog would lift. And we finally make our way back onto 95, we get back on the exit back to our hometown, and there's no fog up until we get onto the exit ramp, and then the fog comes back. And we're like, oh no, here we go again. And this was at about 2.30. We wasted so much time lost in the fog. It was about an hour. And uh, out of the fog, at about 2.30 in the morning, on this desolate exit ramp, this, this stretch of road that's basically cut through solid rock, like there's no trees, no fields, no grass, no nothing. It's just two solid walls of solid rock that are about 30, 40 feet high on either side. There is a gray man, a completely gray man walking up the middle of the exit ramp, like the, 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 the stretch of road. And when I say gray, I mean completely gray, gray hair, gray jacket, gray pants. And there were four of us in the car. Um, you know, we had a designated driver. We all saw it. We all screamed. Uh, my friend who was driving, you know, slammed on the brakes, swerved out of the way. And I was in the back seat, looked behind us, and there was nothing, nothing but fog and the red of our taillights. There was no person there, no, nobody. Um, it should be noted that this gray man, whatever it was, was walking in the same direction as us. So we only saw him from the back. Um, and yeah, like I think about the story <laughs> every once in a while and I can explain about 90% of it. Uh, it was early April or uh, late April, early May. So it would have still been a little bit on the cool side, like upper forties, lower fifties. So that would account for the fog. Um, route two is an elevated highway, um, which would also account for the fog. And it would also explain why the fog lifted when we got off onto a surface road or when we got onto 95, which actually passes underneath route two. And uh, as far as the guy is concerned, I know that there was a old folks home, like a, like a senior care assisted living home, pretty near there, like within like a five minute walk or maybe like a two minute drive uh, from that exit where we would get back onto the service street off 95. Somebody could have broken out and just not been completely aware of their faculties and, you know, just took a stroll on an exit ramp off the highway 
uh, dressed completely all in the same color clothes. But the only thing I can't explain is how the guy disappeared or whatever it was disappeared because there was no way for that guy to run off or to climb up those rock walls like there was no way. Um, these were sheer cliffs like on either side when you're going up that, that exit ramp. Um, so anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, love the podcast. Uh, keep, keep on trucking and I'll keep on listening. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Dan. This story actually hits home a little bit for me. My grandfather passed away a little less than a year ago as I'm recording this. And in the months before he died, well, in the years before he died, he was suffering from dementia. And the months before he actually passed away, it was pretty bad. He was actually still able to live on his own for a short time. But in the middle of the night, he would get confused and walk into town. One day he was found in the middle of the road, confused and disorientated. Luckily, my brother was the police in town, so he took him home, and we eventually had to send him to a nursing home uh, for full 24-hour care. So Dan's theory that this simply may be somebody that's wandered away from an assisted living home uh, is founded in reality. That is definitely something that could happen. But again, and like Dan said, it's pretty difficult to explain this away when he simply seemed to have disappeared. Now, I'd be interested to see if there's any other legends of that area. Perhaps one of the listeners out there grew up in this area, or knows of any particular legends or stories from that stretch of road. Until that time, I want to thank you, Dan, for taking the time to share that story. And just like that, we're almost out of time. But I'm going to sneak in one last call. The following comes to us from the state of Washington, and is submitted by Daniel. Hello, my name is Daniel. Um, I live in Federal Way, Washington, and I wanted to call and report an experience that I had last August uh, 2018. Um, and from what I've been reading and, and hearing on other pad podcasts, it can be uh, compared to what, what's been called the, the Glimmering Man, because that's exactly what I have experienced. I, I work in construction and landscaping, and what happened was uh, one day we were working in Seattle and we were just getting off of the Interstate Interstate 5, which if you're not familiar with, Interstate 5 is the main vein between uh, Canada all the way down to Mexico. And we were near Seattle getting off of the exit in our, in our vehicle. It wasn't the city proper. We were probably, oh, five miles. Uh, we were still in the Seattle itself, but uh, was not into the downtown district, but we were still uh, technically in Seattle. So what happened was, as we were getting off of the freeway, I was sitting in the in the passenger seat of a vehicle with that also had my boss who was driving the vehicle, and we had another gentleman sitting in the back seat. And I was just kind of leaning back. This was a, like I said, it was in August. It was a, a really hot day out. I would say it would probably be around between 12 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was a nice warm day, nice and sunny. And as we were pulling off of the exit, I was just leaning back in the chair. I had the window down, getting you know some fresh air. And 
that's when I saw this this figure. It was like a like I've been hearing. It's been like exactly what it was is a like a pixelated figure of a of a person walking. It was exactly like the if you've seen the old uh, the Terminator shows, the movies. It was exactly like that, 100% like that. Uh, not as the alien form, but you know when he turns invisible, when he has like this cloak on him, where you can see uh, like it's hard to explain except for saying it's exactly like what you see on on the movie. I seen this form walking to its right. And as we were getting up the freeway, and I seen this this pixelated figure of a human walking, I leaned up and I said, "Oh my God! Did you look at that? Look at that!" I told my boss. I probably was watching it for about four seconds, five seconds before my eyes really registered on what I was seeing. I, I sprung up out of my seat as we were getting up the freeway. I said, "Oh my God! Look! Look! Look at that!" My boss was looking over. He's like, "Well, like what?" And as I looked at my boss to try to grab his attention to, to point him where I was looking, when I looked back, I I had lost the figure. I can't say if it disappeared or if I just lost how it had moved, but it was a very short sighting. Uh, I would say less than five seconds, but uh, those five seconds were the the absolute strangest thing that I have ever experienced. I'm I'm 40 years old. I've never experienced any paranormal, uh, phenomena, uh, no, no ghosts, no, no aliens. I've never experienced anything. And I'm not even sure if this was a paranormal sighting, but whatever it was, it was extremely strange. It was very odd to me. And this uh, figure, you know, it was, it was normal shape and size of a human. Like I said, it was just walking. And behind the figure, probably I would say 20 yards, 30 yards, there was a group of uh, homeless people, maybe three, four, five people at the very most, and they just were kind of going about what they were doing. Um, like I said, this was not exactly downtown. Um, you know, there was there was grass, there was brush, there were a couple little trees. They had no idea, from what I could determine, that there was this this figure walking in front of them, and it's just the most. Like I said, the, the experience was short probably less than five seconds, but it's something I can never forget. I, I don't know if it's something from the military, it has something to do with extraterrestrial, or or what exactly could it be? I, I didn't get no feeling from it that it was something good or something bad. It was just complete and total shock seeing this. I tried to explain to my boss what I was seeing. I wanted him to pull over the car and, and stop so I can get out and but it just didn't happen that way. So it was a, a definite, for me, life-changing experience. I mean, what is that? What, what could it possibly be? I heard of another story that was told, uh, I believe, on your show from a, a man who was traveling with his wife um, in, in Washington area. I heard that story, and that's amazing. It sounds like the exact same kind of uh, uh, description. And this, since this happened for me in Seattle, it, it sounds like there was another story in Washington as well. I would love to see, I'd love to hear if there's other more stories. I've looked all over online. I can't find anything about any other sightings in, in Washington state. I have heard of some other ones. Uh, I'd love to learn more. So if there's any ideas out there, anybody who has any idea what this could be, 
please call the show and let us hear about it because for me I'm just like in a never-ending quest now to find out what it is exactly that I saw because it's something that wasn't normal it's something that should not have been it's something that should not have uh, you know you don't see pixelated humans walking around often except for in the movies so thank you so much for taking my call I really love your show I love listening to your stories. I think you're doing good on letting people have a, a chance to share their experiences, and I really appreciate it. So thanks a bunch, and we'll hope we'll get some answers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Daniel. Now, I believe that Daniel mistakenly referred to the movie The Terminator instead of the film franchise The Predator which I suppose is an easy uh, mistake to make, both starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. That little mistake aside, this story is incredible, because not only does it describe almost identically what Justin and Harley reported seeing in their season 6 calls, but it also seems to be from the same general location. I know that Justin and Jen's encounter took place in the state of Idaho, and this is obviously taking place in the state of Washington, but both are in the Pacific Northwest and in the same general region. So perhaps it's possible that our military is testing some sort of equipment in that area, some sort of cloaking device. Then again, it's also possible that there's something else strange running around in the forest in the Pacific Northwest. And of course, I'm not talking about the Bigfoot. Thank you again, Daniel, for taking the time to share that story. And yes, if anyone else out there has experienced anything even similar to this, Please, let me know. I would love to get to the bottom of all this Glimmerman stuff. Thank you again, Daniel, for taking the time. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Pon Abbott, Tony Bell, and Addie Lloyd. And music for this episode was provided by Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. you. You stuck around to the end of the show. Well, you're in luck because I have a great additional UFO story to share with you. And the following comes to us from an anonymous source. Hi, I'm a big fan of the show and I've actually called in before, but I'd like to keep this one anonymous. One of these sightings I actually reported to MUFON anonymously and I'll start with that one. A few years ago, 2015 I think, I took my dog out at night to do her business. Things were going as usual, and then she started growling, and her hackles were up. She was a decent-sized dog and almost ripped the leash right out of my hands. I looked around, and everything was normal. 
I looked up at the sky, and there was a little circular UFO going through the sky. It was absolutely silent as it went. But, as it went on its way, all the car alarms on the street started going off. My dog was barking her head off, and I was terrified. So I ran back inside. I was so panicked. I tried to keep her away from the windows. I never did hear an explanation for what I saw. I think it was a drone, maybe, but I really don't know. The second sighting happened in 2017. I was walking home at night, and there was this weird sort of compass-looking thing in the sky. It was very bright and sort of unnerving. I thought maybe it was a radio tower, but there aren't any towers where this was located. It would move slightly away and then go back to its location as I watched. I was actually terrified the whole time, but I don't think it was malevolent. Both of those two stories took place in Missouri. But I have one more that took place in Georgia just last December. My daughter and I were looking out at the stars, and I watched as a triangle figure with three points of light, one red, two white, went slowly over us. I'm not completely convinced it wasn't military, though, as we were near Fort Stewart. They aren't the most exciting sightings ever, but thanks for letting me tell them, and thank you for what you do with the show. Well, thank you, caller. And it seems like you're one of those people that always has an eye on the sky. Always looking for something out of the ordinary. It's people like you that witness these kind of things. And for that, I thank you. And for sharing your story, I thank you as well. And while I'm thanking people, thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Have a good night. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.